a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right. Well, here we are. It's, uh, it's been a massive week. It's been an awesome week. I wonder if uh, this week for you has felt a little bit like diving into a pool, uh, which you thought was a normal-sized pool, it's a metre and a half deep or whatever, and then you dive in and this thing is massive. It's so deep you can't even uh, see the bottom. A little bit like this. Check this out. This is... Deep Dive Dubai. Has anybody seen this before? Deep Dive Dubai. This is the world's deepest swimming pool. It's over 60 metres deep. There are seven people diving in that photo, if you can see there. And there's even a car that gives you some sense of the scale of this thing. Now, imagine diving into that, not knowing that it was the world's deepest pool. Diving and thinking it was just a normal pool, and then you open your eyes and, whoa, and your mind is blown. Well, maybe at the start of the week, when I said to you guys, hey, we're going to be talking about how God saves us. Maybe you thought, yeah, okay, I've heard this a thousand times. But what I'm hoping is that you've found that the Bible's teaching on God saving us goes far deeper than we could ever imagine. That our sin is far deeper, far worse than we realise. But more than that, God's grace to us is more incredible than we would have ever comprehended or realised. How He foreknows people, He predestines before the foundation of the world, that we contribute nothing to our salvation. We didn't even choose God, He's the one who chose us. And then in time, He calls us by His Gospel, He overcomes our resistance to Him and He draws us, giving us the gift of faith. It's all of God, from start to finish, God saves sinners. This is deep. But I don't know about you, but when you hear, when I hear all of that, I'm left with two things. It blows my mind about God. God is massive. God is huge. God is gracious. He is powerful. But when I think of myself, it leaves me with a question. And the question is, how do I know that God has chosen me? How do I know that I'm one of these people who are foreknown and predestined and called and justified? And now, we can know that the people who God has done that for will be saved. Those He's foreknown and predestined, He glorified. They will be saved. But how do I know if I'm one of those people? How can I be sure that I will make it to heaven? Now, you might be a Christian here today, maybe you've um, be even become a Christian over the last few days, but how do you know that you will stay a Christian till the end? Persevere as a Christian and not give up, like so many do. Well, tonight we want to wrestle with this final doctrine, which is called the perseverance of the saints, or the perseverance of Christians. And what this doctrine teaches is that true Christians will persevere. They will always make it to heaven. 
And so my hope for us tonight in this talk is that through this very time as we talk together, that God might be assuring you of heaven and might be spurring you on and equipping you to run the race till the end and to make it to the end. And we're going to have an opportunity again for a brief Q&A, asking questions toward the end of the sermon. And so let's dive in together, let's dive into this deep pool, keep diving in and start by looking at the incredible promise God makes to us in Romans 8. Here's the promise. If you're a Christian, nothing can separate you from the love of God. We're going to read verse 31, which comes right after the unbreakable chain of eternal awesomeness. Remember, verse 30 is where God said, God foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified Christians. And now, in light of God doing those things, here's what Paul says, verse 31, if God is for us, whoa, halfway through verse 31, sorry, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's like he's saying, if God has done all of that stuff, and if God is on our side, then what have we got to worry about? We've got nothing to worry about. God gave up His Son for us, surely He's going to do everything else that needs to be done to get us to heaven. Imagine if you went to um, the effort of throwing a birthday party, right? And it, you wanted it to be a big deal, a big special birthday party, and so you, um, you book uh, tickets to all the theme park rides up in Queensland, and um, you book fancy hotels, and you book in fancy food, and you book the plane tickets for you and 10 of your friends, you've got a house on the beach or something, you spend all this time organising the best birthday party you can possibly think of, and you forget to tell your mates to come. That would be the worst, right? You would waste all of your time, and you would have wasted a stack of cash, and that'd be so dumb, as if you would do that. Well, if God has sent His own Son, if Jesus has come into the world and lived and died for you to save you, surely God's going to do anything else that needs to happen to make sure you get to heaven. And so, what could stop us from getting to heaven? Well, there's a few threats, possible threats to stopping us getting to heaven that Paul just shoots down one by one. And so, let's have a look at these things get shot down. So, threat number one to us, sin. Now, you would think that if anything could stop us from getting to heaven, it'd be sin, right? God hates sin, God's against sin, He sent His Son to die because of sin. Surely, if we've got sin in our lives, that would stop us from getting to heaven. But no, check out verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. We cannot be condemned for our sins anymore. If you're a Christian, your sin has already been paid for. And so, sure, we are going to keep sinning in this life, but those sins have been dealt with. No one can point to us and say, you're a sinner, you don't deserve heaven. You just say, yeah, I know, but Jesus paid for me. Jesus is there interceding for me. Jesus stands forever saying, my people's sins are paid for. So, sin is not going to keep a Christian from heaven. Threat shot down. Threat number two, suffering. Will suffering keep us from heaven? 
verse 35, have a look. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now, they're all pretty bad things, right? Will they separate us from God? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Suffering and hard times will not pull us away from God. Yesterday I said that verse 28, Romans 8, 28, is one of the best verses in the Bible, and we'd look at it today, so let's do that. One of the most precious promises in the Bible, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In all things, even in hard things, even in suffering, God works for our good. So even suffering can't take us away from God's love. Will sin stop us? Will sin separate us from God? Nope. Will suffering? Nope. Third threat. threat. Satan or spiritual forces or anything else? Well, verse 38... For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're a Christian, there is nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God. Now, this doesn't mean that we won't get hurt in life. It doesn't mean that we won't suffer. Some of you have already experienced terrible stuff. But if you are a Christian, if your trust is in Jesus, those things can't pull you away from God. God's love remains sure for you. Do you guys remember how the first talk, I told you how I fell through a big sheet of glass and it cut off all my face and In that moment, I really, lying on the ground in a pool of my own blood, I did wonder whether I would die, but get this, the day before that happened, I heard a sermon on this passage. And so, as I was laying on the floor there, wondering what was going to happen, the ambulance is on the way, I had Romans 8, 28 in my mind, and I just kept saying it again in my mind, and so I prayed, thanking God that I was His, and that He was working all things for good, and that no matter what happened, I was His, heaven was my home, and I'm safe in my God's arms. And there was this sense of, things will be okay. Like, yeah, I might die, I didn't think I was now not going to die, but I thought, if I do, I'm loved by God, I'm okay. These verses in Romans 8 contain the most staggering promises, promises to live our lives by, promises to know and digest now so that we'll be ready for hard things that are going to come our way, which they will. If you're a Christian who's struggling with sin, you're still secure in Jesus if you're looking to Him. If you're a Christian who's having a really hard life, you could lose everything, you could be really sick, people in your life could die, but if, you're, if you belong to Jesus, nothing can separate you from God's love. 
You are safe and secure in the love of God and heaven is your home. Another part of the Bible, Jesus, of of the lips of Jesus in John 10, puts it like this. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Hear the, the sense of resolve and confidence in His words. I give them eternal life and none of them shall perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. If your trust is in Jesus, no one can snatch you out of His hand. We've got to live our lives by this, no matter what hardships we face into the future, family breakup, losing people, sickness, mental illness, whatever it is, the most important thing you have in life is secure. No one can snatch you out of God's hand. But here's the thing for us to then wrestle with. If this is the case, and, it, and God's Word says it's the case, that Christians cannot be snatched out of God's hand. If this is the case, and God's Word says it is, how come some people still seem to fall away? How come it does seem like there are sheep who do kind of get snatched out of God's hand? What's the deal with this? How do we think about those people and how do we make sure we don't become those people? Well, here it is. True Christians are those who trust Jesus to the very end. See, some people have made the mistake of thinking that because I'm now secure in Jesus, because I now am justified, I'm no longer guilty, now I can actually live however, how I really want to live and I can actually abandon living for Jesus because I'm safe in Him and so it's all good and I can pursue my life of sin. Now, that is a terrible mistake to make. It's not right because true Christians follow Jesus to the very end. Now, I'm going to read some passages for you, and I want you to listen out for the word, if. Ready for this? 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain." If you hold firmly to the Word, you are saved. Otherwise, it was all in vain. Otherwise, it was all a waste of time. Another one, Colossians chapter 1 says, But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm and not moved from the hope held out in the Gospel. What's the Bible teaching us here? It's those who continue to the end, who continue to hold on, who are true Christians. Hebrews 3.14 shows us this super clearly, check this one out. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. We have come to be those in Christ if we are those who have held on to the end. It's those who stay Christians who actually are Christians. And so, 
what are we to make of those people who seem to fall away? Those people who seem to be Christians for a little while, they're around youth for a bit and then they bail. How should we think of them? Well, I reckon there's two options for what could be going on. First one, they might be a true Christian who hasn't actually and fully fallen away, but they are backsliding. Now, sometimes you see this, you see someone's around for a while and then they get caught up with the world for a time and then they come back. It's a little bit like a kid who runs away for a while from home. They pack their bag, they say, I'm off, mum and dad, bleh, and they, they run away and then they live out in the world for a couple, like how, two hours or something and then they go, oh, actually this really sucks and then they come home and they say, sorry mum and dad and they come back. Sometimes Christians do this, sometimes Christians backslide for a time, but if they are truly Christians, they will come back, because God will bring them back. Nothing can snatch us out of our Father's hand. So that's option one. Option two is that the person who walks away was never really a Christian in the first place. This is what 1 John chapter 2 says, listen to this one, talking about people who fall away, it says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Sometimes something looks like the real deal, but over time, proves itself not to be. My kids are super into Lego, and um, particularly, they're into Lego minifigs, you know, like the little people, they love it. And, uh, and when I was a kid, I had Lego and I loved it too, and so what I, I kept my Lego in a container with the hope that one day I might be able to pass it on to my kids, right? And so a couple of years ago, I did that, it was very fun. Um, but here's the thing about Lego, it's indestructible. When the nuclear war comes, the only thing that's going to be left are cockroaches, mud at Tali, and Lego. But some Lego, but Lego minifigs, some of them are actually like really expensive. There's like a whole, like they, they're going up in value, because they're indestructible, they keep their value, man. So invest. Forget about Bitcoin, Lego minifigs <laughs> is where it's at. And so, um, you know, my kids, they want a min Lego minifig, and I'm like, oh, it's expensive. So I've bought them a fake one, right? And at first, these mock mini Lego minifigs, they look really good. They look like the real deal, it's hard to tell the difference. But over time, they show themselves not to be the real deal. They wear down quicker, their accessories break, the paint scratches off. Sometimes people look like Christians, but end up not the real deal. Now that is a terribly sad thing, and I've now been a Christian long enough to see it happen multiple times and it sucks hard. Don't let it be you. Don't let that be your story. Don't let it be your story that you come away on fat and you think this is awesome and I love it and I'm so keen to follow Jesus, I'm G'd up from all the talks and then you slowly grow cold to the things of Jesus. You stop coming to youth, you don't read your Bible, you don't hang out with your Christian friends, you don't talk to your leader anymore, and then eventually you just kind of who, don't even think about that stuff anymore. Or perhaps you've grown up in a Christian family and because your parents have done this, you're like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm with it, but then 
the things of the world just creep in and maybe there's a, a relationship that eventually takes you away or there's a job that becomes your main thing in life or there's, you find that there's an easier way to live in life. And so those things distract you and pull and, and take you away. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firm to the end. So don't grow tired of following Jesus. Don't grow tired of fighting sin. Keep fighting if you need to. Don't give up. Don't be swayed by the world. Sometimes the kingdom of this world looks so good, it looks so appealing. But the kingdom of heaven is the thing that will last. Live for the kingdom, seek the kingdom. If you think you have been wandering, come back. No one is too far gone. God will have you back. Like the parent whose kid has run away for a bit, who gladly welcomes their kid back home. God has made a promise to us that in Jesus, nothing will separate us from His love. But this promise is for true Christians, the ones who trust Him till the end. And so, does that mean that the Christian life is now all up to us? Is it all up to us now to make it to heaven? Did God save us by sending Jesus, but now he said, he, He's like, I've done enough, guys, I'm tapping out, I'm going to have a holiday, I'll see if you make it till the end. Well, no. Here's the third thing tonight. God is working to keep His people till the end. Listen to these words from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which means to live out your salvation. How do we, why should we do it? For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Live out your salvation, He says. Work at it. Work at being a Christian. Live out the Christian life because it's God who's working in you to live out the Christian life. What gives us the strength to persevere until the end? It's not all, it's not us, it's not our strength. It's God who works in us. The fact that God works in us means that we can. God doesn't leave us alone. He didn't just send Jesus and then He bails. No, God continues to work in us to get us across the finish line. It's the movie scriptwriter illustration. Say a, a movie scriptwriter, say that they want their main character to have a happily ever after ending, right? How can the movie scriptwriter make that happen? He can do anything he wants, he's the scriptwriter. And so the scriptwriter can bring different people into the, the story that we're, are going to help and bring in different events and even give their character desires to do the thing that will mean that they end up over here. Even help them in their actions to do the thing that will bring them to the happy ending of the movie. Well, that's sort of like God working in us. God works in us sovereignly to get us to the end because He's predestined from the beginning that we would be glorified. And so now in time, now that He's called us and justified us, 
He's going to do everything necessary to get us to the end. And there are some very particular things that God does to get us to the end. This is what Romans 8.32 said. It said, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? If He gave up Jesus, He'll give us anything we need to get us to the end. And so, let me show you what these particular things are that God uses to get us to the end. First of all, He's given us His Spirit. Just as it was by the Spirit who called us and made us alive and gave us faith in Jesus in the first place, so the Spirit now continues to work in us to will and to act, to want to follow Jesus. But He gives us other things too, and these next few things are what's called the means of grace, God's means of grace, which just means the stuff God uses by His grace to keep us to the end. And so, have a listen to these ones. He's given us His Word and warnings. God has given us His Word. You know, He's given us His Word, He's preserved His Word so that we can do this. We can read it, we can hear what God wants for us and for our lives and how we can please Him. But within His Word as well, there are these warnings that He gives. He warns us saying that you need to keep following Jesus to make it to the end. 1 Corinthians 15, it's if we continue in our faith that we are truly His. Hebrews chapter 6 warns us that if we do fall away, if we walk away from Him, we will be lost. Now, those warnings are a key way that He'll keep us till the very end. He's given us prayer by which we can, we can now pray to God and say, Father, keep me till the end help me to keep following you, help me to put to death sin, help me to resist the things in the world. He's given us each other, His church. Now, don't we need each other? Haven't, hasn't it been so good to be together and to talk together about what it means to be a Christian? I, I couldn't do this, I couldn't be a Christian if it wasn't for God's people, His church. Or we together can talk about it and wrestle with it together, how do we follow Jesus? Which is why it's so important that you commit to being at youth and G-teams. It's not just because, I don't know, just because your parents tell you you have to do it or something. It's not because we like get a kick out of, I don't know, having high numbers or something. It's, it's because it's so important for you to continue to gather with God's people, to sit under His Word, to pray together, so that we can trust Jesus and trust Him till the end. God uses these very particular things, but how's this? God even uses suffering for our perseverance. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. God uses all things, even suffering, to get you to the end. Because when you are one of God's people, we've been called according to His purpose, which He planned before the foundation of the world. And so, if God has determined to get you to the end, you can be sure He's going to get you to the end and nothing will snatch you out of His hand. 
And so how do you know that you will make it to the end? How do you know that you will be a Christian? So long as you are trusting in Jesus, you can be sure of your salvation. Jesus is the key to it all. It's by Jesus that God saves sinners. And so as long as you're looking to Him, as long as your trust is in Him, as long as you continue to look to Him, you can be sure. You can be sure that God has chosen you, foreknown, predestined, and will glorify you in the end. Because it's those who are looking to Jesus, whom nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so the key question for us all is, are you looking to Jesus? Are you still looking to Jesus? That's the key thing for us. And so, uh, are you looking to Jesus? If you're looking to Jesus, you can be sure that nothing will separate you from God's love. But as soon as you stop looking to Jesus, you give up the assurance that God says that you can have. The assurance of of nothing separating us from the love of God is for those who are looking to Jesus. If you give up on Him, you give up on that assurance. So just don't give up on Jesus. Look to Him all your days. I want to give you a couple of things you can do in light of this, in light of this doctrine of the perseverance of Christians. Two things, and then I want to give us a brief moment to see if we want to ask any questions. And so, a couple of things. What should you do in light of what we've heard? I'm just going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. Continue to look to Jesus. Cling to the promise of God in the Gospel. God has said to you, my son has died for you. Would you be forgiven? Here is the gift of forgiveness. Take hold of it by faith and cling to that promise. And as long as you are, you can be sure that nothing will separate you from my love. So cling to that promise of God. Continue to take hold of that gift by faith. And if you're doing that, rejoice that you can be sure that nothing will separate you from God's love. So there's the first thing. And secondly, just keep doing that. (laughs) Just keep trusting Jesus. Keep clinging to that promise by faith. And keep making the most of the means of God's grace. God has given us these things that will help us to keep trusting Him. He's given us His Spirit, but He's given us His Word, the Bible. He's given us each other. He's given us prayer. And so, keep gathering, keep being in the Word, keep praying. And by doing those things, you will gain great assurance of your salvation. You can be sure that if you neglect those things, you will lose your assurance of your salvation. So just keep doing that. (laughs) Just keep gathering, being in the Word and depending on God in prayer. Guys, if you do that, you will have great assurance that God will get you to the end. I'm going to pause now and just see if there's any questions and then I've just got a little bit for us to finish.
So you said if you're trusting. Still don't have your voice. Yep. Yeah. Even worse. You said if you're trusting in Jesus, then you you can be sure you're going to heaven. Is that an on and off thing? Is that a daily thing? If I'm trusting trusting in Jesus now, gosh, then I I well I go to outside and I'm not trusting in Jesus. Will I go to heaven then? I feel like you you said you asked two things there. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, if you walk away from Jesus and you um, you stop trusting in Him, you will lose your assurance of salvation. Because it's if we continue in our faith that we will be saved. But if you stray and you sin, well, what does chapter 8 say? Chapter 8, verse 33, Romans 8, 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Now, that supposes that we're going to continue to sin, such that people could bring a charge against us and say, hey, you're a sinner, God's not going to accept you. But yeah, we will keep sinning, but as long as we're trusting in Jesus, we can know we're justified. So, you will stumble in sin, all all of us are going to stumble in sin. The thing is, when you stumble, do you stay down on the ground like some people were staying in the mud last night? Do you stay down or do you stumble in it and get back up and say, God, help me? So long as you can turn around and continue to trust in Jesus, you can be sure. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, does God decide when we die? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just like he said to Jeremiah, before, um, uh, in, before you were even in the womb, I knew you, God determines the end from the beginning. Now, I think that is, it's assumed in the word predestination. The fact, the Bible says, God predestines, which means before time begins, He determines the destiny. He determines our destiny. And so God knows all things. He's even planned and determined all things, even our death. Yeah. For the Christian, our death is just the door into heaven. And so, wow, death sucks, but it gets me into a pretty good place. So I welcome it, but I hope it's not for a long time. Um, it helps. Is there any way to tell if somebody is just a Christian that's backsliding a bit or if they're actually straight away, for example, if you have a friend that used to go to EB and then they kind of, like, or like they used to go to Summerfest and believed in God and then they kind of strayed away, how, is there a way to tell if it's worth it to try and get them back? Yeah, two things. Time is how you'll find out. Uh, do they come back? If they come back, well, now we can have the confidence that they're Christian. Um, they come back to trusting in Jesus, not just come back to turning up to a thing. Um, but secondly, is it worth inviting them back or do we just assume they're a goner? It's worth coming, inviting them because God will use us to bring the gospel to people and that's how He'll save people. So, if someone's wandered you keep working at it, keep inviting them along, just keep being a good friend to them, keep loving them, be patient with them, 
my eight-year-old is um, working on his friends and he's praying for his friends and sometimes he despairs already and he's like, oh, this person's never going to believe. I'm like, man, he's eight, give him time, just, <laughs> just chill, it's all right, don't pester. Um, considering we are so sinful and we are all sinful humans, what does God see in us that, you know, kind of makes him um, give kindness to us and want to save us? Oh, that's a great question. God only knows. Yeah. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were unlovely, he loved us. Why? It's um, the fact of creation, the fact we exist at all, is because God is, is a God, is love and is generous. And so, God for all eternity, which, uh, for God for all eternity didn't need anything. He didn't need a world, He didn't have to create us, but He in Himself is so awesome and glorious and love, uh, that in His kindness, He creates us so that we could share in that amazingness. Now, that's weird to think about, because if I did that, if I was like, man, I am so good, I better have a kid so that they can appreciate how cool I am. <laughs> that, is, that is weird stuff, if that's what's going on. But I'm not God. <laughs> God is perfect and love and glory and so in His kindness creates us so that we can share in Him. Um, but yeah, why? what did He see in us? Uh, nothing. He just loves us because He does. Then we'll go one more. Um, if we're a true Christian, can we still doubt at some times? Absolutely. We can still doubt, yeah. Because we're not saved by how sure we are of our salvation or of the things of Jesus. What are we saved by? We're saved by Jesus. You did, there's the illustration of the plane. So um, we, we're, going to, we're going to Queensland for the, the dream worlds and whatever, and I'm really anxious about getting on the plane. I don't want to get on the plane. I don't think it's going to be good. I think it's going to crash and burn. And um, I at the last minute, with a blindfold on, step through the door, and then I spend the whole trip like this, clinging on. And then my friend, he's been on the plane all the time, and he loves it, and he just jumps in, and he's casual, and he's cool, and he hops down, and he watches a movie. And where do they both get? They both get to Dreamworld. Because it's the plane that got them there, not their confidence in the plane. Jesus gets us to heaven, not the strength and quality of our faith. And so we will go through times of doubt. That's why we need each other. That's why we've got God's Word to keep wrestling with. That's why we can pray and say, God, help me. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Friends, are you trusting in Jesus? Is He your Lord and Saviour? You might be stumbling and bumbling along, but if you are looking to Him, you can be sure that your salvation is sure. 
And those words that we sang earlier as we came in tonight, that no power of hell will ever pluck, what is it? Um, No power of hell, no scheme of man will ever pluck me from God's hand because it's Jesus who saves us. Now, um, I want to I finish tonight by inviting you to start trusting Jesus. Many of us already are. I want to urge you to continue, but some of us aren't trusting in Him. And I want to, for those people, I want to invite you to come to Jesus and take hold of this gift of grace by trusting in Him. It's very simple. I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray in your heart, quietly in your mind. We're going to say sorry that we have sinned. We're going to say thank you, God, for this gift of grace in Jesus. And would you please now help me to live for you for the rest of my days, persevering to the end. If you've not come to Jesus, come to Him now. I'm going to pray. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, our good Creator, who is awesome, who is love, who is glory, who is the eternal good one, we are sinners needing grace. Thank you so much for the gift of grace you offer us in Jesus. Please help me to live for Him all my days now, trusting in Him for my salvation. And please help me to persevere until the end, making good use of all these good gifts you've given us to get us there. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if you've done that just now, might that be the moment where you've started trusting in Jesus? And might you look back on that in years to come and say, at that moment, the fact that God had chosen me from all eternity became evident in time. He called me and He gave me the gift of faith. And if that's what God's just done in you, you, I want to read to you from Romans 8 and I want you to hear these words as words for you. But for all of us who are trusting in Jesus, hear these words as words for you. Romans 8 verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen? Yeah. I want to give you a moment to now quietly reflect yourself. I want to invite the band up.